Today we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 and the story uh, of the shepherds. Uh, So let's follow along in our Bibles if you have them or you can follow along on the screens for our scripture reading this morning. Luke chapter 2 starting with verse 8. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, And lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if uh, you guys have spent any time on Facebook this weekend, then you will realize that this is what I refer to as engagement weekend. I'm talking about putting a ring on it, okay? Engagement weekend. You see, uh, there are lots of pictures on Facebook of of girls with, with brand new shiny rings on their fingers. You know, it's the perfect time if you think about it. It's one week before Christmas. So you can get engaged and then you can go to all your family gatherings and bring your fiancé with you and celebrate and let her show off the new ring. This this is sort of a a time for for couples to to fall in love and to to make these commitments. I know uh, guys... Any of, if there's anybody here that hasn't yet gotten engaged, there's still time to do it. You've got to do it today, though, if you're going to get it in before, <laughs> before Christmas, all right? Well, I proposed to my wife, Debbie, in December of 1997, and it was truly a December to remember. Um, we were engaged in a, in a park, a city park in Tupelo, and we were under the Christmas lights, and we had a little candlelight dinner, and I proposed, and it was, yeah, you know, it was, it was great. Well, my niece this weekend got engaged, and so there was an engagement party on a Friday night. And so what did her boyfriend do? He engaged to her in the city park at Houston under the Christmas lights, okay? So he copied me. At least I, he didn't know that, but I told him he did on, uh, on Friday when we had the engagement party. And y'all, I, my, my niece, you know, I, I just was over, overwhelmed a little bit by the joy <laughs> that was displayed on her face at, at the engagement. Um, you know, she was there at the party getting pictures and showing off the ring. And, and you know, her joy was, was rather obvious. And sometimes our joy is obvious. Like there's no hiding what we truly are feeling in our hearts. And so on this uh, third Sunday of Advent, it's called the the Joy Sunday. Uh, We celebrate the gift of joy that has come to us at Christmas. Let Let me ask you a question. 
How do we make room for joy in our lives? How do you make room for that? Well, if I confess, uh, we tend to feel a little guilty when we hear messages about joy. And I think we feel guilty in the same way that we feel guilty about messages about prayer. Because we don't feel like we have enough of it. Like we don't feel like we pray enough and we can feel guilty about that. And if you're like me, you're probably saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't think of myself as always having an abundance of joy in my life. And we can feel a little, a little bit guilty. But how do you know if you have enough joy? Most normal Christians would probably say that it's something we need more of in our life. You know, then there are verses in the Bible like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, where Paul says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. We think, can a normal Christian live up to that kind of joy, to that level of joy, where it's something that's present in your life all the time? I don't know. I know that that doesn't seem to be the case in my life. I don't always feel joyful. And I hope that uh, no one thinks that, that I'm a grumpy guy because of that. I'm just normal, just like you. And, you know, as you think about your own life, is there an abundance of joy in your life? I mean, I may feel, feel joy when I see my niece smiling from ear to ear and showing everybody her ring but that kind of joy doesn't last, does it? Because when I left the engagement party, I got in my car and I had to drive two and a half hours home. Now, I drove two and a half hours up there, and I wouldn't miss this for anything in the world, but I drove two and a half hours up to Houston, stayed for an hour, ate a couple of cookies, had some pictures made, then got back in the car and drove two and a half more hours back home. I got home late. And you know, on that ride back home, late at night, uh, I was getting sleepy, I was getting tired, there wasn't a, an abundance of joy in the car on the ride home. The joy starts to wear off. You know, joy comes to us, but it doesn't last. I believe that you and I want the same thing. We want a lasting joy. But here's what I've discovered about it. You can't produce it for yourself. You can't produce it for yourself. I can't go by lasting joy because I'll walk down the mall and I'll find it for a cheaper price in another store. You know, I can't, uh, I can't find joy by taking medication. You know, you can't just take a pill and, and experience joy because it has side effects. You know, this joy that we're longing for, you know, we can't travel somewhere like to a beach and find it because soon you're going to run out of money. Or if you're familiar with the Cranks, y'all have seen the Cranks, right? The Christmas movie, where they just decide they're not going to do Christmas and instead they're going to take the money and spend it on a vacation. And what you find out is if you do something like that, you're not going to find joy. What you're going to find is your family disowning you. That's what you'll discover. 
So when the Bible talks about joy, it isn't talking about the short-lived joy that we often experience in life. The joy that comes when we buy something new or when we take a great vacation or when we have some great moment in our life like an engagement or something like that. No, the biblical kind of joy is a lasting joy. So how do we have that kind of joy? How do we have lasting joy? A joy that stays with me regardless of my circumstances or situations in life, even if they're not very joyful. Is that even possible? Well, I believe it is, and I'll tell you why. So the Gospel of Luke is what we refer to many times as the Gospel of Joy. Because right from the very beginnings, you just see that, that Luke is always singing and he's talking about joy and, and people rejoicing all over the page. I mean, everybody seems to be experiencing joy, especially surrounding the birth of Jesus. I mean, here's a few references. In Luke chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, you know, Zechariah is in the temple and he's, he's serving in there and an angel appears to him. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a cousin of Jesus. And he was a prophet that was sent ahead of Jesus to proclaim his arrival. And so the angel said to Zechariah, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Why is Zechariah overcome with joy? Because he and his wife have been ha trying to have a baby for years. And now they're old in age. But God has not forgotten them. And a miracle happens. And she gets pregnant. And will bear a son named John. And the angel says that he will be a joy and a delight. To his parents and to many. And certainly we know that to be true. Now, a little later in the first chapter, an angel again appears to Mary. And, and Mary is told about this baby that she's going to give birth to. And listen to what Mary says. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then we come to chapter 2 that we just read a moment ago where the angels appear to the shepherds and the angel says to them, don't be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now why is there joy in Zechariah's life, in Mary's life, and these shepherds? Why is there joy? Because their hearts found joy when they made room for Jesus. When they made room for Jesus. They experienced joy. So an angel of the Lord appeared to some shepherds. That night long ago out in a field. With that amazing announcement. They said today in the town of David. A savior has been born to you. Who is he? The Messiah. The Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now the, the angels, they help us to understand a wonderful truth. 
that joy comes when Jesus comes. That's what we see happening in the Gospel of Luke. For the angel said, you will find him wrapped and lying in a manger. Right there is where we find God's gift of joy. In the manger. Jesus. The Gospel of Luke points us to the source of our joy. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the Jewish people have been waiting for centuries, for about 650 years, for God to send a righteous deliverer to His people. A descendant of David, a messianic king, so there was deep inside the hearts of the Jewish people in this first century longing. A longing for the light of God's salvation to come. It was the prophet Isaiah who gave hope of this when he wrote these words in Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, the angels... And the prophets, they all declared that Jesus was the fulfillment of this deep longing. And that's why there's joy at the birth of Christ. The reason joy is oftentimes short-lived in our lives is because joy can never be tied to things that don't last. Real joy comes when our deepest longings are fulfilled. An example of this, y'all, is marriage. For most of us, finding a soulmate is something that we long to experience deep inside of us. And when we find that person that we love and we make a commitment of our life to them, there is a tremendous sense of fulfillment that we experience. Just like with my niece, just like with my wife and I, just like with those of you that have experienced the gift of marriage. You know, I've stood at the altar numerous times with couples who have come to, to pledge their vows to one another. And I have seen them with tears in their eyes. I've seen guys standing at the altar and when those doors open up and their beautiful bride walks through, I've just seen them get weak in the knees. <laughs> And, and, and they just start tears streaming down their face. And, and you know what I call that? That's joy. That is so just pure joy. So much joy that we see right there. There's something greater. This is something greater than happiness. It's the fulfillment of a longing. And even if you haven't experienced that yet in your life... You understand what that longing is. 
And you and I know that, that, that those types of joys, as life-changing as they may be, they fade over time. I mean, uh, marriage and parenthood, they come with challenges, don't they? Every day isn't just waking up in paradise. <laughs> it's tough work some days, especially when you have teenagers. And we've raised a few of those, and we've got one in the house right now. I can tell you there are some challenging days. And some days there's not a whole lot of joy uh, coming out of that teenager's bedroom. So we know that it's not always joy. But the reason that these longings aren't ultimately satisfied, these longings for, for a spouse, these longings for children, these longings that we have for better life, for ourselves and those that we love, the reason the joy of experiencing those things doesn't last when they come is because there is an even greater and deeper longing for lasting peace, for lasting joy, for lasting relationship. And we know from Israel's story that their kings uh, have not been able to bring this, this level of, of peace and righteousness. You know, right during the time of Isaiah, when he, when he prophesies that, that a son is going to be born, that there's going to come this king one day that will be a deliverer, Isaiah's writing during the time of King Hezekiah. And we know that Hezekiah and later Josiah, one of his great-grandchildren, that as great of a king that they were, they were able to enact some religious reforms and, and, and days did brighten up and get real hopeful for the Jewish people during the times of their reigns. But they were short-lived. They didn't really change anybody's heart. For the people after their deaths just went back to their same old ways. They didn't bring them lasting salvation. No human king, regardless of how good or religious they may be, can ever bring lasting salvation. They can never bring the peace that we really long for. But in Jesus, God brings a lasting solution to our deepest longings. Jesus satisfies the longing that we have for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. It's Jesus alone who perfectly reveals the Father to us. Well, we don't have to wonder what God is like because we see God. In Jesus. We see the glory of God revealed. Jesus perfectly shows us the heart of the Father. He shows us the way to live righteous in holiness through sacrifice and humility and full of love. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That brings us peace and restores us to relationship with God. These guys are the things that we long for. We long for a lasting forgiveness. We long for a leader that we can follow that will, that will lead us 
in understanding right from wrong and morality and righteousness before God. Y'all, we long to be delivered from hatred, from evil, and from a world that seems to be growing so cold and so dark that we know is, is so broken. We long for a new creation. That's what we long for. The reason we long for that is because God has put the hope of that in our hearts. And these longings can only be met by a Savior who is Christ the Lord. These longings can only be fulfilled when, we, when He has brought us into His kingdom. Now a huge turning point comes when we realize that the source of our joy is not ourselves. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to put on a fake smile and pretend. You see, Jesus, when He comes, when He visits us, He brings joy with Him. Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You see, what she's doing is she's testifying to the source of her joy. You know, and I'm reminded about these shepherds. You know, every morning and evening, not far from Bethlehem, only about three to four miles from Bethlehem, is Jerusalem and the temple. And what happened every morning and evening at the temple was an unblemished lamb was presented for a sacrifice. And so in order to ensure that there was a steady supply of these kinds of lambs, the temple leadership, they had their own private flocks. And you know where they pastured? Bethlehem. That's right, Bethlehem. Could it be, I wonder, that these shepherds that were visited by the angelic hosts and given this announcement of this Savior that's born, I just wonder if these shepherds were in care of the temple flocks, the temple herds. You know, I can imagine these shepherds, every time a ewe gave birth to a little lamb, those shepherds, they would gaze upon that lamb and they would wonder, is this one going to be good enough to be offered up at the temple? Is this lamb perfect enough to make an atonement for our sin. You know, it's, it does spark our imaginations, doesn't it? That that night when the shepherds, they left behind those herds and they went to that manger in Bethlehem and they gazed upon Jesus, did they know that they were looking at God's perfect sacrifice? The true Lamb of God. The one that John declared takes away the sins of the world. Is this what they're beholding? Is this the reason they're filled with joy and they leave to tell everybody about it? You know, we can only imagine, but I believe there must be some truth to that. Y'all, this is the good news of great joy. It's found in the birth of Jesus. In the coming of our Savior. For only Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God. 
Only his sacrifice is perfect enough to deliver us from our sin. So let us live into the joy-filled, into this joy-filled life this Christmas. Let's receive that joy. That lasting deep joy that comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who is the source of my life? Who is the reason that I stand here this morning? It's Jesus. Who is the source of my joy? If I stop and I reflect on it, if I just spend enough time in prayer and looking at the Scriptures, what I find is God's presence comes. And I'm reminded that Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is the source of my joy. So regardless of what we're going through this Christmas season, Jesus knows the longings of our heart. And know that He has come for you. And may you find joy in Him this Christmas season.